When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Today, we're going to talk about one of my all-time favorite fishes, perhaps even my absolute favorite fish. Now, let's just give you a little pretext here. We've talked a lot about creating aquariums to replicate specific habitats. It's kind of what we do here, right? Super rewarding. Yet, it's even more fascinating and rewarding to design an aquarium around a specific fish sometimes especially when it's one that you've coveted for a long time, right? Now, we've all had that one fish which just sort of occupies a place in your heart and mind, a fish that, for whatever reason, bites you and never lets go, right? I think that every serious aquarist has at least one of these types of fishes. Now, here's mine. Of course, it's also about the habitat. As a lover of leaf litter in our botanical-style aquariums, I'm not only fascinated by this unique ecological niche, but by the organisms and fishes which inhabit it. If, you know, I've went on and on and spoken at length about many of the microorganisms, the fungi, the insects, and the crustaceans, which add to the diversity of this environment. And of course, we've looked at some of the fishes that live there too. Now, again, one of my all-time favorite fishes and my absolute favorite kerosene is none other than the amazing sailfin tetra, Cranucus splurus. Now, this is a truly awesome fish. Not only is it attractive and morphologically cool-looking, it has a really great demeanor and behaviors which sort of separate it from almost every other kerosene out there. It's almost cichlid-like in behavior. Now, some of you are probably laughing because you know I'm not a huge fan of cichlids, but it is a cichlid-type fish, more intelligent, more personality, interestingly. Now, it's definitely not the most colorful kerosene on the planet, but there's more to this fish than meets the eye. It all starts with its really intriguing name. The Latin root of the genus Cranucus means guardian of the spring. It's a really cool, even sort of romantic sounding name, which evokes imagery and, of course, questions. Does it mean it's the protector of a body of water or some honorary homage to everyone's favorite season? I'm not sure, but you got to agree the name is pretty cool. In Greek, it's Krenokos, the god of running waters. That's even cool. That's like the shit, man. What a, what a great name. The Krenukidae, which is South American darters, is a really interesting family of fishes. And it includes, I think, right now about 93 species in 12 genera throughout the Amazon region. Now, most Cranucids are, well, how do you put it delicately, chromatically unexciting, i.e. gray, black, and brown (laughs) fishes, which tend to, you know, sort of lie in wait near the substrate, which is typically leaf litter or aggregations of branches and detritus, and feed on insects and microinvertebrates. They're little predators. And the genus Cranucus consists of just one species, our pal Cranucus spelurus, a fish which shares habitats and a body shape that's more commonly associated with cyprinids and cichlids, which is just, it's just weird. The sailfin is an exception to the drab thing. It's actually remarkably attractive for a very simple benthic living fish. Now, sure, on this surface, it's not the most exciting fish out there, especially when it's a juvenile. But it's a fish that you need to be patient with, a fish to search for, to collect, to hold on to, and enjoy as it matures and grows. As the fish matures in true ugly duckling style, it literally blossoms into a far more attractive fish. 
the males have this extended dorsal and anal fin and larger and more colorful than the, than the females in, in a big way. Yeah, colorful is relative here, of course, but when you see a group, you'll notice the sexual dimorphism right away, especially among juveniles. And some of these fish can get big, like like almost fist size. I've seen some gnarly huge fishes and friends of mine that have imported them. Now, the individuals spend most of their time sheltered under dead leaves, branches, roots, and aquatic plants, kind of my kind of fish, right? They tend to hover and they don't dart around like your typical tetra would. In fact, their behavior reminds me of one of the dart fishes of the marine aquarium world. They sort of sit back and flick their fins, often moving in slow, deliberate motions. And it's, it's kind of weird because when I first got my first batch of them, you know, it was such a coveted fish for me. When I, I remember looking into my aquarium, which was densely packed with lots of wood and roots and stuff, and I'd try to count them every day to make sure everybody was still with me after they got out of quarantine and I put them in. I wanted to make sure they were all there. And I had a group of, I think, 10. And it was the, for a fish that doesn't swim, it is the hardest fish imaginable to count. I spent literally, I would spend 10, 15 minutes trying to get all 10 of them. And what's weird is they'll just sort of appear. Like you'll be looking, you'll see two or three of them and they'll come out of the woodwork, literally. And then they'll just sort of appear. And then one after the other, they just appear. It's very mysterious. It's a kind of an eerie kind of a fish, weird. And the sailfin does, you know, come out a lot, but it's not like a super, super active swimmer. Although once they get comfortable, you'd be surprised. Now, it, it tends to feed during the daylight hours, and it is a midwater feeder. It consumes particular organic matter like aquatic invertebrates, insects, and bits of flowers and fruits in the wild. The cool items from outside the aquatic habitat that we call alectonous input. Materials abundant in botanical habitats, which we love to model our aquariums after, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've written about that a lot. Now, here's the deal. Back to my, my love of this fish. Further distinguishing it from other kerosene is the male's parental care. And yes, you've heard that correctly, parental care. Of its pretty small clutches of eggs and small for a kerosene because it's usually like 100 or less. And even during the larval stages of the fishes, these are characteristics way more commonly associated with cichlids than with kerosenes. Now, have I piqued your interest yet? I fell for this fish as a kid. Uh, I remember looking in my dad's well-worn copy of William T. in his classic book, Exotic Aquarium Fishes. And I was hooked from the start, especially when reading about the, the romantic etymology of the name. You know, like all, you know, six-year-old, seven-year-old kids read about etymology of fishes, Latin names, right? And it seemed so mysterious and unattainable, especially in the 1930s when it was, you know, when that book was originally written. But it seemed downright exotic. And then, you know, tying it together with my love of those leaf litter strewn habitats, it was a combination which I couldn't resist. And I never got this fish out of my system. And it took me literally 30 plus years of being a fish geek before I was able to actually find this fish in real life. And you know I jumped at that chance. It was so worth the wait. The sailfin is one of the most engaging and unique fishes I've ever had the pleasure of keeping. And I've kept some pretty cool ones. Oh, and they're also known to vocalize, which is really interesting. They produce an audible clicking sort of sound that you can hear outside of the aquarium, which is really interesting. Now, they don't do it constantly, but there's this little, you can just sort of hear it. Uh, very, very neat stuff. And although they are a little bit solitary in nature, as I mentioned, they do much better in groups, forming these sort of loose aggregations within the confines of your aquarium. And they hover over the botanical bed waiting for food. And they have a social order that they only seem to understand, but it's very evident. It's a really fascinating set of activities, which makes them even more interesting and endearing. 
Now, they might be a bit shy when you first introduce them to your tank, as they're rather cautious and sort of sedentary for kerosens. They don't swim quite as actively as most others. So getting them to feed regularly in the aquarium, while it's not difficult, is maybe a bit of a process because they're cautious and tend not to stray too far from their botanical, botanical cover. So if you have other more active tetras and fishes in the aquarium, they'll be a little bit more tentative at first. In fact, I might suggest that if you're, you know, got a well-established botanical aquarium and you're ready to put your first fishes in, I think Cranucus would be an amazing first fish because it gives them a chance to really establish themselves and get comfy. And they do eventually move confidently, if not slowly throughout the aquarium after they're settled in. Now, once you keep this fish, you'll just sort of get it. They're one of the most perfect fishes for the botanical style aquarium, and they'll fit right in a well-thought-out community of smaller fishes like the less hyperactive tetras, you know, maybe dwarf cichlids like apistos or checkerboards, and catfishes. And they're perhaps one of the only kerosens which we can really say has an individual personality. Pretty cool. Yes, the photos I've taken of them, you can see them on the website. They really suck because I'm a terrible photographer. But yes, I'm as geeked out about this fish as anyone on the planet. And yes, you need to try them. And yes, if you do, I'll hit you up for some better picks. So please do. And if you're looking for that sort of it fish that'll really make your botanical style aquarium pop, adding a real presence of interest to the habitat you've created, give some real consideration to this amazing fish if you can find it. Trust me, having the guardian of the spring in your aquarium is well worth the wait. Your leaf litter bed aquarium needs this fish. Yep, we all have that one fish. It's what keeps us passionate about the hobby, keeps us going, keeps us dreaming, keeps us striving, keeps us searching. That's mine. Find yours. Till next time, stay diligent, stay resourceful, stay passionate, stay relentless, and always stay wet. This is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.